Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When we saw the unequal pay that Latinas have been facing forever, we thought about how the pandemic on top of all of that, and then also the mass layoffs that Latinas suffered also. And I just thought to myself, how are they going to come back from that? How are they going to come back, re-engage with the workforce? And do we want them to come back to the same situation? No. Jump back in informed so that they know what kind of opportunities are out there for them and also being able to get equal pay. And then we're going to start helping them build their own savings, their emergency funds, maybe their retirement, maybe savings for college, savings for that home that they want to buy. We knew that something needed to be done. And I said, enough is enough. I think that you get to the point where you hear all this bad news. And I think that for people that actually are in this business of trying to legitimately help the community, enough is enough. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to try to do something about this. And it starts with getting people the financial education that they need to make better informed financial decisions. And you can't just Google translate it into Spanish. That's the key to what we're doing is you have to put it in the language and in the context that is going to educate and people are going to understand. So that's clearly important. I think that's something that a lot of the bigger firms might miss when they're trying to provide something that might be in Spanish. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, 
so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. All right. On today's show, we have two incredible guests who are working to increase the amount of financial literacy in our community. And they're doing it from a place of tech, which I find completely fascinating. So on today's show, we have Olga Camargo and Juan Avila. They are founder and co-founder of this new app, this new financial education platform called Sheenix. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us today. We're super excited to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. So first and foremost, tell us both a little bit about yourselves and what brought you to the idea that this needs to exist. And I'll start with you, Olga. Sure. Juan Carlos and I, it's been over a decade now that we started putting together a retirement plan advisory practice. We're both basically financial advisors. And about over a decade ago, we ended up deciding that our community needed individuals that they can trust, especially around retirement planning. And so we thought about how much need there was for individuals. And we thought, well, we could probably approach it and start getting individuals retirement ready one person at a time. But I think that we knew that that would take too long to do. So we decided that we were going to start servicing the Latino community in terms of maybe going to the organizations, businesses, nonprofits, including schools, and again, just the small businesses. We decided that we were going to do it at a bigger scale. And so I think that passion really did start to who we are individually. For me, I grew up in Little Village in Chicago. I grew up in a family business. The traditional, I think for me, the Latina that was basically leading a business for the family to get us ahead. My mom was a seamstress at one point, and she realized that her talents were just way beyond just sewing dresses. She actually sewed beautiful wedding gowns, and she decided... Well, I know how to do this. I'm pretty good at math. And I think I'm going to go ahead and start my business. So seeing her, she was probably a role model to many Latinas, like their mom or their dad are role models. And I realized that I was learning along the way with her. But at the same time, I also realized that there were a lot of things that she wasn't as financially savvy about. And that was just because in our Latino community, again, we don't 
grow up speaking finances at the kitchen table. But anyway, that's pretty much a little bit of what I saw growing up in terms of what I wanted to do eventually. It did have a big transformational impact on me. And that's why I do what I do today. So Juan, do you want to yeah, absolutely. For me, it's very similar in terms of as a child and my family. Both my parents are from Colombia. My dad's an engineer. My mom and my stepdad, they started a business, a bakery in New York. And just both of them, even though my dad was educated with his degree in engineering, not good at finances and definitely just challenges with information and language and everything else. Fast forward, I begin my career, come out with a Bachelor of Science in Economics, and eventually got my MBA, but I'm working at Merrill Lynch, a big wire house. And every couple of months, an advisor's coming to me and saying, hey, Juan, Juan Carlos, I need your help. I've got this 401k plan at this company. I need someone who can deliver some Spanish-speaking education. So my Spanish is pretty good. My English was pretty good. So then I began focusing on that marketplace and, as Olga mentioned, providing investment fiduciary services for retirement plans. But a big part of that was not only assisting the companies set up and monitor the mutual funds and the investment selection, but also educating the participants and then organizing firsthand going into organizations and companies where individuals have been there for years and even decades and have not been participating or taking advantage of the retirement plans because they don't understand it. Nobody comes out to speak to them. Nobody can explain things to them in their language in a way that they can understand. So I think for us, that was kind of the big aha moment of there's a huge problem related to this. And as our community continued to grow, there was opportunity for impact because those dollars and those savings then come back directly into our communities and our families. Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that idea of just not knowing what the heck people are talking about when it comes to what your 401k offers with my own mom. Because my mom, I think she waited 10 years before signing up for her 401k plan at work because she just didn't know what was in it. And then when I started digging into what the whatever paid spokesperson that came into the office one day sold her on, it was some random annuity that wasn't even aligned with what she actually needed to retire. And she's just like, well, that's what he told me to do. And I'm just like, if you had more knowledge, if you had more education around this, you probably would have made a lot different decisions. And it's just having to rely on other people to make decisions for you when it comes to your financial security. It's perilous. And I think that's why a lot of folks in our community don't trust financial institutions, because there's a lot of predatory practices. There's a lot of gatekeeping. There's a lot of language barriers. I don't even want to get involved because if I do, something bad might happen. Have you guys seen that personally in your experience as financial advisors? Like it's hard to build trust. I think trust is the key, but back to your example, not only the predatory, right, but the fees and not understanding them and being overcharged. And that's where our community and our families and our parents and aunts and uncles and everyone has been taken advantage of. So there's that lack of trust that you really need to establish. And I think I think once people see that you're doing good in the community, even they see you repeatedly in terms of education, then there's that reputation that you build and that trust as well. So, and Olga, I'm sure you've seen that as well. Right. So trust is definitely has to be worked to get, and you have to repeatedly give to the community so they understand, okay, they're here to really help. And yeah, I mean, we're financial advisors, I'm sure many times, even uh, Juan Carlos and I have been seen as like, oh, more of those, right? 
And the truth of the matter is, I would say that I think the same thing when I see financial advisors, like more of those. And when I say more of those, it's like more of those that don't really care and are just there to make the money that they want to make. Whereas with us, we are about lifting up those hoods and removing the veil and being able to have people understand when you look at investments, and I'm not here to teach you how to be a financial advisor, okay? I don't want people also feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to talk to her because she's going to talk my ear off. No, it's just look at these couple of things, performance, look at where the fees are and understanding too what your responsibility is with these investments. Let's just start there. And what we have done over time is we have created a following because of our continued commitment to helping people understand what a retirement program is, how they should be engaging with it, and the questions they should be asking. I will say that people that want to be committed, people that really want to pay attention, they are engaged in a conversation with us. And that just means that they trust us. And Olga, it's not just in the Latino community, right? Because in the financial services industry, it's really set up to create really good salespeople. And the knowledge and competency and the expertise portion is secondary. It's either a system where people are plugged into a product or process that's already there. So there's a dramatic lack of knowledge. And so then that creates that lack of trust. And you'll see it, whether it's in brokerage or advisory or insurance or banking or mortgage, where people are jumping from firm to firm because they're passed along from one place to another as a salesperson. And and I came from the large wirehouse that I mentioned earlier, and that's basically what it was. It was a system set up to create really good salespeople and minimize the advisory and the consulting and expertise process as much as possible just to be able to get more and more clients in. Yeah, it's terrible. And then you wonder why people either just completely opt out and then they find themselves at the age of 65 with nothing because they're just like, I'm not even going to deal with these banks. Or you find folks who were not necessarily optimized in their financial planning and find themselves in a deficit, which I think is a recurring theme, especially for first-gen kid like me that I'm looking at my parents in their early 60s and I'm like, oh, wow. So I'm the emergency plan here because there was nothing going on. And something I wanted to add that we might have missed, but we probably all had this experience. Olga and I have had it where being a child at home, helping our parents decipher financial statements or insurance statements or going with them to help them do these adult things. The only competency we had was the language competency. We were in no position to help them make these financial decisions. And it was not even, we didn't even have the financial language. You think about this because I know that people that might be hearing this podcast today are thinking, oh my gosh, that's so my story. That's so my background. We were pulled in to try to explain what an escrow was. I don't know what that is. And then my parents said, you don't know what an escrow is? 11-year-old me would say, no, I don't know what that is. And they're like, well, I thought you spoke English. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I don't speak enough English. <laughs> One thing I will say that the way to differentiate what kind of financial advisor you're working with, that you are maybe engaging with someone, typically when you have these conversations, you yourself will feel that you will have learned a lot and that you're actually being taught also sort of like how to look at your investments. Honestly, that is the advisor. They're typically called fiduciary advisors. So for example, in the United States, everybody's known as financial advisor, but there's a big difference between 
the two kinds of advisors that you might find out there. Some of them are brokers and there's a room for them too. I understand that. I'm not saying no to brokers. There's room for actually everyone. But then you've got the fiduciaries, which are in the minute 15% of all of the financial advisors are fiduciaries. What is a fiduciary? A fiduciary, you engage a fiduciary to represent you. They are legally bound to do what is in your best interest. So basically that fiduciary has to do for you what they would be doing for themselves. That's a very different kind of offering versus brokers are there for a reason. Sometimes you just need a transaction and they'll take care of it for you, but don't expect them to be walking you through, holding you by your hand so that you can understand what you have in front of you. They assume that you already know what you want and they just do the transaction. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it's actually kind of startling how low that percentage is because you can definitely fall victim to somebody that you think is going to have your own best interest and that's not necessarily the case. So, Okay, so I want to get into the origin story of Sheenix, right? Because as financial advisors, you could have easily seen the problem that exists and let somebody else handle it. I'm busy, right? But you didn't decide to do that. You decided to take things into your own hands. So tell us a little bit about the origin story, Olga, and also the name. Super curious about I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The name. Let's start with the name Sheenix. That was actually something that we were toying around with. What is this going to be called? What is this application going to be called? All we knew at the time was that especially looking at the pandemic and what was happening to Latina women. So this is our backbone, the backbone to our community, the ones that are helping make a lot of the financial decisions, not just for themselves, for the tias, the tios, the grandparents. Some of the grandparents are living with them. So of course they get to see more information coming through and they have to sort it out, Medicare, Social Security, all that stuff. And then on a side, they also have to run their businesses. And by the way, they're also involved in the community and also having to make some financial decisions there. The list just goes on and on and on. And when we saw on top of that, the unequal pay that Latinas have been facing forever, we thought about how the pandemic on top of all of that, and then also the mass layoffs that Latinas suffered also first ones to be laid off. Others had to leave because they had to provide childcare for their families. And they decided I'm going to be the one and they left in record numbers. That was September of 2020, I believe, or 2021. And that just continued to happen. And I just thought to myself, how are they going to come back from that? It's already bad of a situation because of what I just explained, but how are they going to come back, re-engage with the workforce when they do come back. And do we want them to come back to the same situation? No, jump back in informed so that they know what kind of opportunities are out there for them and also being able to get the right pay, get equal pay. And we are gonna just start there and then we're gonna start helping them build their own savings, their emergency funds, maybe their retirement, maybe savings for college, savings for that home that they wanna buy 
savings to open up that new business and so forth. And for some, maybe it was to save you for a second home. Who knows, right? But the thing of the matter is we knew that something needed to be done. And this was January 2021, I would say. It was about a year after the pandemic and you were listening to all these headlines. And I just said, enough is enough. I think that you get to the point where you hear all this bad news. And I think that for people that actually are in this business of trying to legitimately help the community, I think it just gets tiresome. We're like, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to try to do something about this. And it starts with getting people the financial education that they need to make better informed financial decisions. And let's start off with the Latinas, the ones that are completely and always neglected by Wall Street when it comes down to putting together a fintech app. They are not really addressed, not their unique mindset. Latinas have a unique mindset. So don't come and give me that fintech translated into Spanish. That's not going to cut it. You're going to have to use a very unique and holistic approach. And you can't do it because you're not from the community. It's going to take somebody from the community to step up and put this together with other leaders that understand this community and put together something that we know works. It's not about here's what we're trying to do. This is what works. People to understand is you need to have patience with our community. A lot of people, time is money. They don't have patience. That's reality. So I thought, well, what are we going to call this app? We had the feeling. We knew that it was about Latinas rising. Latinas coming from a situation that was probably not ideal for them, especially during this pandemic, and coming back super strong. And that's where I hate to say I didn't come up with the name. Neither did Patricia Mota, our other co-founder. It was Juan Carlos because he's very creative, but he got it. So it's she, Nix, she, ella, Nix, the female phoenix coming back from the ashes, but coming back super strong. So our logo itself is a phoenix, but it's called she, Nix. And yes, the app is very much catering to Latinas. However, at the same time, we're also very cognizant that family members can also follow this. So I am curious, what does the app actually help you accomplish, right? Is it a bank? Is it a brokerage? What is the actual app? How does it help its users? Absolutely. So Sheenix itself helps out in three ways. It provides you the financial education. So this is where we have webinars. We're actually having a brunch this April 1st, where we're going to bring in women from corporations, a panel of that, a panel of business women. We're going to be talking about how people are navigating their careers to be able to grow within their work. And then also we're trying to make sure also that business women are present and have a voice there because since Latinas open up businesses seven times faster than any other group in the United States, people need to know if I want to open up a business, here are the things that I need to keep in mind. So how we're doing the financial education is a little bit more different. It's not just through those webinars, but it does start with a community conversation. It starts with having women around the table, sharing those nuggets because they are so successful. You get that information passed along and you don't have to hopefully go through those same teachings. So that way you'll advance faster, right? And then we also have 
articles that talk about personal finance. That's something that I think is very important because those articles sometimes or videos, because we're also planning to have videos on this. Maybe you don't want to read the article, but we'll tell you in nuggets what you should be looking at, right? So this is three o'clock in the morning. You're up. You can't go back to sleep. I'm going to learn about something. You go onto the app and you're going to learn a little bit more about that. Now, that library of that content is still being built right now. We're still souping up our web-based app at this point, and we will be obviously offering this app also onto a mobile. So people will be able to access this educational content whenever they need to. The other thing that we also offer are obviously resources, financial resources through third parties. This is where a bank that we've talked to, hey, I'm willing to offer this kind of product to Latinas. Maybe they want to buy a home and maybe the bank has a special program that helps Latinas, right? That helps them. And also maybe there are some investment offerings that are being offered also by investment fiduciaries, right? So the whole thing is to really set up these financial resources around what Latinas actually need and that where Latinas are getting a square deal in terms of the services that they're paying for. And thirdly, Chenix offers also help with career development, which also includes negotiation for equal pay, and then also makes available career leadership development seminars. There's eight-week programs as well. And then also helping them really more on the executive coaching if they're basically in corporate America. There's a lot of resources. Those are just some highlights that I wanted to share. So I'm curious, how does one create this and be profitable as a business, right? Because that's part of this whole endeavor too. So is there a fee associated with using the app? How would that work? Right. So right now at this point, we are not charging anything for Scenics because I think that what we're trying to do right now is make sure that we are removing any kind of money barriers, especially for Latinas as they're trying to get back up. I mean, I'm just going to say it, even a dollar or $2 gets in the way of them being able to participate. If you're charging for the app, you don't want that to get in the way. That goes against what we're trying to do. So we, at this point, have decided that the app is for free and that people would just have to go in and really just fill out an intake form. And so when you go into the app online, there is a survey that you take, you answer it. And at the end, what you get also a suggested budget. So you put in there, this is what I'm looking for in terms of the kind of questions that the survey is asking. Here's what I'm looking for in terms of maybe a job. Maybe I'm looking for help to better understand how to open up a business. All these fields there that you can fill out to say, this is what I need. And at the end, it at least starts you. What I said earlier is how to spend your money. Because a lot of people know how to earn money, but they don't know necessarily how to spend it. And that's a reality. So these are suggested budgets. Okay. Before the conversation started, mentioned that you're self-funding this whole project. So what does that look like long-term? Do you see yourselves at some point pitching this to venture capital or what's that long-term plan? Well, you know, um, yes, we have been self-funding. And the reason why we feel very strongly about self-funding is because no one can come in right now and start saying, take your eyes off of what you're doing and start reporting on how much you're making me money-wise. That's too much of a cost for what we're doing. Our vision is bigger than having somebody come in and start trying to change what we already know is true in terms of the services that we're trying to provide. So right now, we are trying to make sure that we get the Sheenix app in front of 
as many Latinas as possible, where our goal is to be able to, once we have the mobile app, to get it in front of 240,000 Latinas in the first 18 months. We do have partners right now across the nation that have said, yes, we will definitely support you. These are national Latino organizations that people know. And so if you go on to our Scenix website, you end up seeing who our partners are right now. And so those are folks that just know the importance of this work. And they've also given us a stage at many of their conferences just to be able to talk a little bit more about Scenix and get the word out there. So long term, we have to keep our door open to listening, maybe down the line. But at this point, the work that we're doing, we will continue to self-fund. Yeah, I think that's a really noble approach to take to it because it's very clear that you are in this for the right reasons and not just because you're trying to capitalize on a community that was necessarily ignored, right? Which I think it tends to be why people jump on the bandwagon for stuff that's niche, if you will. You want to start something, you want to do a campaign for like Hispanic Heritage Month because that's the time of year that you want to care about Latinos as if we're not Latino the rest of the time. And you see a lot of that with corporations and whatnot. But I love the approach that you're taking. And I'm curious because what I found too is that it's really hard to find good financial literacy content in Spanish. So is that also going to be a part of this? It is. We have started some blogging and we are making sure that content is at least available in Spanish. And so we actually just got through with one of the blogs, English and Spanish, that talks about the importance of how you kickstart 2023 and things to keep in mind. And we made sure we talk a little bit about expenses, budgeting, and then just also understanding that you have to keep on top. You don't just do it once a year. You have to come back and check in with your budget. And if anything changes, then that budget changes again. And Sheenix will help you on that front. You just take the intake form. If your salary changes, then you enter your information again, and then it'll produce a brand new budget. And that's free. It's just something that we decided. I think when you talk to our community about a budget, they're like, how do you even start a budget? And we spell it out. You'll see the output come out and you're like, oh, so I should be saving 10 to 15% of my salary yearly and put it towards my retirement. Oh, I see here that I'm supposed to have at least six months of an emergency fund. And you can't just Google translate it into Spanish. That's the key to what we're doing is you have to put it in the language and in the context that is going to educate and people are going to understand. So that's clearly important. I think that's something that a lot of the bigger firms might miss when they're trying to provide something that might be in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found the Google Translate is <laughs> the default approach and half of the time it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> so you guys really don't care about providing this information in a way that's useful. <laughs> I'll just say one thing that in many instances, what I've found is that even in the financial industry, in order for you to get things in Spanish, number one, they'll say, yeah, we don't do that. We don't have anything in Spanish. I'm like, how could you be in business for decades in this nation and not have things available in Spanish, but you want to be in that market? Or even recognize the trends, what's happening around you. That's so true. And then I ask, well, are you going to have it in Spanish? We don't know. We don't have made that decision. So you got to be mind to those things. And you know why? Because I might be fluent in English and I don't need it in Spanish, but you know what? If I'm trying to help out my parents, my parents' generation, so I'm first born here in the U.S. I've got a master's in English, 
But you know what? I still see my dad and my mom would not be able to read this information in Spanish. And if I'm doing it for them, how can they follow along with what I'm explaining if that information is not in their language? There's a big wealth transfer from that generation to this newer generation. They don't understand. They can't understand what they're about to give up. Honestly, that's just a lack of respect. No, I absolutely agree with you. It's blatant choice to just ignore a whole group of people who we didn't just show up yesterday. <laughs> we are the second biggest minority group in the country. So y'all, this is the future of America. If you want to sustain your businesses, and it's not just the financial industry, the economy in general is going to be supported more and more by communities of color, because that's just how the demographics of this country are changing. And if you don't start building that cultural competence into your business model, you're quickly going to become obsolete as a business. And also coming at it in a way that is not just, oh, I see dollar signs that there's an opportunity here, but that's respectful of that community and mindful of the needs of the community. Absolutely. Okay. So where can we find Sheenix? How can we sign up and how can the community support? Because I feel like this is a grassroots movement that you're leading and it's our responsibility to be supportive of these types of initiatives if we want to see more of that happening. At this point, you can find us basically online. So we will be on your mobile soon. But for now, it's Sheenix, S-H-E-N-I-X dot app, A-P-P. And so you go there, like I said, and you start also seeing who our partners are because you will see probably our Sheenix mobile app coming through those partners and you'll recognize us and you'll say, oh yeah, I remember Sheenix after listening to this podcast. And then also going through the survey and being able to at least get a start today. And also understanding, and I will just say this, it starts with you understanding how you're spending your money and where you are putting some of that money to different categories that you spend on a monthly basis. It starts there. And if you can even start looking right now, compare where you're supposed to be with, with the suggested budget, with where you are right now. And you might be surprised, hey, I'm doing pretty good in these categories, but this one I'm overspending. I'm going out a little too much, right? And when you go a little too much, and we're not saying don't go out, enjoy your life. But at the same time, just remember that you also have to make sure that you're putting monies, I should say, into a savings. Because I don't want to see another pandemic. I really don't. No one wants to see that. But the truth of the matter is that that or something else may come up. And what happens is if you're not prepared, we don't want to see the same thing that happened to Latinas happen to them again. And so let's just learn, take into consideration what life is teaching us. Be better prepared. Absolutely. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Juan Carlos? To Olga's point around the pandemic, around Latinas, right? They were overrepresented in industries that were hardest hit. When you take a look at hospitality and retail and manufacturing and services, one in four Latinas lost a family member during COVID. Olga mentioned the whole juggling perspective where they had to jump in, keep their jobs, take care of their families, their children, take care of their spouses, their parents, and then quite often their spouse's parents as well. And so you had that sense of community. And then even within our community, families moving in together, right? So that really, really having to help each other out. And then finally, the pay gap component, which Olga talked about, which actually the pay gap got wider during COVID for Latinas. So we don't want to see that happen again. And there's a lot of people who are stepping up and saying enough is enough. We need to do something to empower our communities. And when you look at the state of the economy in general, 
where, yes, the U.S. is still the strongest economy globally, but growth is slowing and inflation is taking off and people are struggling and layoffs are starting to happen and all these things. When you have a group like Latinas who are creating jobs, they control the purse strings in the Latino community. And the size of the Latino GDP, which has been talked about last fall, just in terms of the numbers and being if it was its own independent country, the fifth largest country in terms of GDP size, Latinas are going to lead us out of this, quote unquote, recession that we're having and into the future, the future growth of the U.S. economy. So that's where it's critically important in terms of the work that we're doing. When you put it like that, I'm very excited about what the future looks like if we have the right information in our hands. And so I want to thank both of you for the work that you're doing to empower a community that has been ignored for far too long. I like to think that all major change in the world starts in ways like this, the grassroots individuals identifying an issue and using platforms like what you're building and what we're building here at Yo Quiero Dinero to advance the cause collectively. So thank you both for the work that you do. And everyone who's listening, please make sure to check out Sheenix at sheenix.app. Thanks so much. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.